0: Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia Podcast.
1: Starting at center, from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Decker, And at guard, from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns your podcast mvp dia
0: miller welcome back to dave and dia of blazers edge podcast i'm dia miller i'm here with dave deckert we are still discussing all the rumors that are flying uh you know the off season is an interesting time because for blazers at least in the past it hasn't been really that crazy. But it seems like right now there's just a lot going on. So we have a couple things to discuss tonight. Not a lot, but a couple things that I think are going to be interesting discussions. Dave, how are you? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I mean, and it's not that we don't have a lot to discuss. It's... uh Fewer topics, but bigger Fewer topics.
0: topics. Fewer yeah. topics,
1: but bigger. It's like the the chaff is starting to be sorted out from the wheat here. And you got some big nuggets of shredded wheat to chew over in the last 10 days or so before the draft.
0: The draft, I get really excited about the draft. And I even if we trade, I will still be excited about the draft. I just think it's such a cool thing to watch these kids, essentially, their lives change in a second. You know, and and not for all of them.
1: You're so. Well, are old. Are you laughing
0: that I called them kids? Yes,
1: you're so old. You've well, reached. You've crossed I mean, the threshold. It's okay. It's my birthday right, this weekend, Dia. Dave.
0: Congratulations. My birthdays this, this weekend. We're at the age now where you say congratulations of um, living another year and not dying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah you, do, you don't look a day over fifty. <laughs> Thanks,
0: my kids. Today, I was talking to him in the car, and I told him that it was my birthday, and he said, "How old are you going to be, Mom?" And I. I said, well, how old do you think I'm going to be? And my daughter knew. So she said, I'm going to be 37. And my son said, well, you don't look 37, Mom. You look way younger than 37. And I said, well, how old do you think I look? And he said, like 100. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes. well, we got to work on some numbers there. So The notorious
1: anyway. ask to kids your age yeah, yeah thing. It's bad. It, it, but- I- anywhere from 22 to 108. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but it's funny because I've started I've shifted into that point of life where like I was a wedding photographer for years and years and years. You know, when I started out in my career, I related to the people getting married usually. You know, that was the stage of life I was at and as I neared the end of my career, I was watching the parents of the people getting married, you know, the mother son dance and the father daughter dance and the father walking his daughter down the aisle. And those kinds of things are the things I related to. And I see that in movies, too. You know, I don't relate with the young the young whippersnappers, anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, it's the adults. And so I watch this. I watch the draft and, and they really are like there are very few people left in the NBA that are the same age as me. We're talking like LeBron and Chris Paul. And, mm-hmm. you know, Carmelo Anthony, there's just so few people left. They're all kids at this point. The guys coming in, I literally could all, I, if I had a, if I had a child young, I could be their mother, mm-hmm. which is mind blowing.
1: Scary and would make yeah. you quite wealthy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your career is just beginning though. I mean, at 36, almost 37, I mean, you have years and years and years. That's what's beautiful about a career in media. Uh, it's hard to age out.
0: That's true. You just become
1: an old fuddy-duddy set in your ways saying how good it used to be when you first started compared to now.
0: Yeah. And how things have changed.
1: Yes. Those dang five-pointers. I remember when all we had was threes. <laughs> Those whippersnappers shooting from half-court.
0: <laughs> Damian Lillard
1: third. <Man>. <laughs> I yeah, liked your grandpa seriously. better.
0: Seriously. Oh, man. All right. I don't know if I want to live to be that old.
1: The alternative is not great. The only the only prayer you really offer up is like, uh, let me live long enough to see the Blazers win another championship, which will make us all but immortal at this point. But I mean, you know, it would be fun to see one more before we shuffle off.
0: I mean, it's been well, one more. I wasn't alive for the first one.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, you weren't, (laughs) were you? Well, I mean, one more in the cosmic sense. I mean, they have one. So one
0: more. Yeah. Yeah, one more.
1: I bet you there are a fair amount of spring babies of 1978 that are literally alive because the Blazers won a championship.
0: <laughs> Solid point. Solid point. <laughs> yes. They're all named Clyde. No, no. No, we not are. Clyde. Bill. Clyde wasn't even with Bill us. They're all M- named Bill. Luke.
1: <laughs> Luke. And, and poor little Twartzik. She's had a hard <laughs> life.
0: Such a weird thing that my brain does because I know we didn't win a championship with Clyde, but because I think of him because he was my like yep. dame, I guess. I, I always think about that. I, I, you know, that was the the championship that we won was before my time, so I always I always do that, and then I have to be like, wait, that's wrong.
1: You know, um, the, the real question actually, and we can ask this later in the off season, but let's remember it: were the Blazers closer to winning a title with Clyde, oof. or with the Rasheed Wallace teams, oof. like that two thousand team? that went to game seven against the Lakers. And I think Uh-oh. all of you put that in your memory banks, that question. Let's debate that like in August. But I, there might be an argument to be made that the Blazers were actually closer to a title with Sheed in 2000 than they were with Clyde in, you know, 1990 and 1992. Because those That's Pacers, wild. those Pacers were going to get beat. Thought.
0: All right. Well, we got a couple things to jump into. First of all, the rumors are, are picking up around John Collins, Dave, fill us in. Where are we at with that?
1: Woo-hoo, John Collins. Now, here's the thing. is that, you know, we've, we've talked about Collins before in context with other rumors. But it's time to bring him out and shine him a little bit. In fact, I did that yesterday in an article. Uh, because this one, folks, I think has legs. This one, I mean, you know, you're sanguine about most of them. Okay, that would be nice. Or here's what would happen if. This one has a legitimate chance of happening, and Collins is a legitimate talent that fits. Now, is he where does he rank in the Pantheon? DeAndre Ayton would be better because DeAndre Ayton has fewer injuries and also plays a more unique position. Okay. So, and by the way, plays defense better. So, Ayton would be a better get, but Ayton would also be in the long run more expensive. You'd still do it, I think. Collins is right underneath I think he's between Ayton and Ananobi and a few reasons first of all he's offensively great uh, playing the pick and roll fantastic shooting threes he can do actually very well he wasn't as good last season but before he was incredible he can also shoot from various layers uh, and including playing the inside game if you need him so he kind of he kind of hits all the buttons offensively defensively we talked about he's not the greatest but if you can park him in an area he'll do he's he's not going to be you know a sieve But he's not going to help them get out and cover the three-point arc, and he's not going to stop somebody one-on-one. So he's not a real help defensively, but if you can build around him then I think that he will do. But the the nice thing is he's under contract for the next three years for, you know, 23, 25 million a year, which at this point looks pretty darn reasonable. I mean, this is Anthony Simon's money. This is uh, above Yusuf Nurkic' money, but it's not like, you know, ear-splittingly above. So he's the right get in a whole bunch of ways. Now the asterisk, and then you can fill us in how you feel about this, the asterisk, he's not played a full season Uh, You know, pretty much ever. But he's been injured. Even in these short seasons, he's been injured chronically. And we know what happened. You know, we said this with Larry Nance Jr. We said this with Cody Zeller. They were much lesser gets, much lower stakes. But we said, you know what? They're going to have to turn around their injury history if they're going to be of any use here. And guess what? They didn't. I mean, they jumped in. They doubled down. So if Collins is injured chronically and you trade away that seventh pick, that's a little bit a different story. But that's probably the only thing that doesn't recommend him. How do you feel about the Blazers trading seven for John Collins or if the injuries are legit, John Collins and maybe some change?
0: Yeah, you know, I like this. Uh, I said that briefly when we talked about him before last week when we were kind of throwing out all the names that have come out. He was one of my favorites uh, as far as realistic trades that I liked. You know, a, a forward is not a. I mean, that we need that. We need that position that he fills a spot there that we need. He's athletic. He can shoot. Like he, he's a good shooter. Like you said, he's a he's a good offensive player. Um, really versatile. I think that that's huge. I think his versatility is big. I think the fact, you know, he played with Trey Young, he played off the ball in that situation. I think that's a a benefit to have somebody who's okay and comfortable and good at doing that, but can also be in a situation where he's controlling it too. Um, And I think he's a kind of player who can do that. I actually think he's a a decent defender. Uh, You know, he's not, he's not going to be the defensive player of the year, but i think compared to some of the defensive the, some of the lacking defensive players we've had i think he's going to be fairly balanced in in comparison to what we're used to where guys are playing offense and just the defense is is not there i think i think there's some there and i think it can be built off of i just think he's i think he's solid i think he's a good pick and i to me when you're looking at this and you're looking at it's not enough to just look at, is he a good fit for the team? You have to look up, you have to look at what you're giving up and are you giving up something that would be a better fit for the team? And the truth of the matter is that with this draft class and with the seventh pick, there is not somebody who can come in in my opinion, there's not somebody we can draft that can come in and immediately fill in and start playing in that kind of role. So to me, if we are in win now mode and we are building around Dame, then it makes sense to trade the seventh pick and get a player like John Collins who can be a Part of winning now, especially because if all we're doing is trading the pick, it's essentially like you're drafting him. So you still have other assets that we can move and things that we can play around with and do to try to build even more towards that roster that's going to be a contender you know again I don't know if all the moves can be made to make us a contender this season but these are moves in the right direction in my opinion the conversation we had last week about Bradley Beal and why I felt like he was not even though it's not realistic why I felt like he was not a good move is that a, a big part of that was you'd have to give up so much to get him In this case, you're giving all your essentially all you're giving up is your seventh pick, which is not something that's going to benefit us right away anyway. So why not? Why not bring in someone like that and take that risk? You're risking anytime you draft, you're risking anyway because it's an unknown. Those guys could come in and just flop. Or not be ready, or whatever, and and not be. I mean, what if we draft somebody with that seventh pick, and they just sit on the bench, and then we trade them down the road? They haven't helped us at all right now. So why not get somebody like this? So why not get somebody like this that is, you know, a, a, a fairly known move? I it's I like it. I like the, it.
1: And here uh, we have Danny Marang, uh of the Jack Ramseys, Unless his account got tampered with. And I guess he's the hacked Ramses. Anyway, uh, he is suggesting number seven for John Collins and the 16th pick. So move down Ooh. nine spots.
0: Yeah. That's
1: that's like an automatic. That's an automatic, yeah. yes. Because you're moving yeah, down I nine would... spots to get Collins, right? And you can use that 16th pick to facilitate another trade yeah. if you need to.
0: I mean, exactly. Or you
1: can still get your speculation person.
0: Cool. And especially for some of these teams that are building, you know, some of these teams that are trying to build with young talent and start over and essentially, you know, from the ground up a 16th pick is not going to be bad. I mean, that's, that's still a solid pick. So that's the kind of thing you're absolutely right. Yeah. Take that in a second. Take that in a second. And you have
1: a 16th pick and Milwaukee's 2025 combine them, throw in a player for salary purposes and you've actually got a package there that you don't lose that much, and you know it's not gonna get you the world, but right. it's it's attractive enough. Two first round picks and yeah. a, a, a player could yeah. probably pull you another starter.
0: Yeah, and look, we don't need the world. We don't need the world. We just need a little bit of help here. <laughs> yeah. So I and, and it, it's it's exciting to watch these things happen because it kind of makes you feel like, OK, like we we're going to make moves. We're going to do something. So I hope I hope that these rumors end up shaking out and, and we get him. I think that would be a great move. N- I, I would be really happy with that.
1: Nurkic, Collins, Ananobi, Hart, Lillard would be my dream you know, uh, I'm talking about we can't get Aiton, let's presume, if we trade for Collins. And there's, you know, other stuff there. I, I don't think we can get Ananobi either, but if they did. And by the way, I would see Ant as the odd man out in that because I just like, I like that hart ananobi collins Nurkic defensive group around Lillard. And most of them can pass I mean yeah. Hart can pass, Ananobi can pass, Nurkic can pass. Collins, <clears throat> not so much, but you don't need all five of them to, right? Right. And Collins can run that pick and roll. Collins yeah. is a yeah, good yeah. pick and roll guy. So yeah. like you could resurrect. Remember remember Nurkic and Dame High pick and roll when Nurk was yep. first here? And that yeah. was really hard to stop? Collins, I think, will be better. Yeah. So and you can yeah. run it from more spots. So yeah. That would be my dream. I and even if Ant was an odd man out or was another trade or came off as a sixth man, I would be okay with that.
0: Yeah, that would actually be really solid because yeah. again, you're running hit. You're running your offense through him versus putting him on the court with Dame, where that's not happening as much. Mm -hmm. And and I actually I like that move. I mean, I don't know how the logistics of that bringing he's he's becoming a solid enough player that I don't know how he's going to feel about coming off the bench. But I like the idea of Anthony Simons coming off the bench as a sixth man. I think that that I think that that creates instantly that creates a much more solid bench rotation than what we've had you know, in the recent past, I think that that adds depth real quick if you can do that. So I actually love that. I think that's, I think that's great. So that'd be great.
1: You get ant minutes at the one, two and hope to cobble 30. I mean, he wants 34 or 36, but you hope to borrow 30, 15 from heart 15 from Dame. Right. And you know, you can't quite get that. You have to play a little bit more, more, I mean, but still, I think that you can then swing Hart to the 2-3, right? Because he yeah. can still play a little yeah. three, especially off the bench. You know, in his second unit, Hart can probably play small forward still, just not as a starter on the regular. Right. So that's where you borrow his minutes. Now, all of a sudden, you have a really solid 1-2-3 uh, rotation. Uh, you know, give or take. You got you to get a couple other right. wings in there. But Blazers have got those. And you have Collins at Nurk and Nurk at your 4-5. and five. You know, again, you need more. Trend and Watford will help. You probably need another center in there somewhere. But it's probably better than what they've started with.
0: Yeah.
1: Asterisk injuries to both of them. Your four and your five are injury prone at this point. But you're not Not going to get better than that. You're not going to. I don't see a better outcome possible realistically than that.
0: And essentially that's common that that's essentially a risk with a lot of players in those positions. It's not just these guys. So, I mean, that's kind of just part of, part of the game. I definitely think a backup center, a solid backup center is going to be a big get for us, but they could resign Eubanks. He, you know, he held his own, but if they don't um, I, I think that's, I think they could find somebody for a, you know, it doesn't have to be a star. To, to fill in in that spot so I don't know it's going to be interesting I think there's some promise here uh, I, I don't see us getting both Collins and Ananobi and
1: yeah, Ananobi mm-hmm.
0: yeah um, well that's where that's so 16- hard to say
1: I don't know but that's where that 16 pick would have to come in that's where yeah. you package the two picks and who I don't know I mean it would probably realistically it would probably have to be Hart uh, two picks and Hart for Ananobi they might go for that maybe uh so and and in my
0: opinion, you you I don't think that's bad. I think you do that. I I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, mm.
1: NOS Nas is an alternative, but you, I mean, I think you got to give up something. I don't don't think they give up yeah. Ananobi for just picks and and no. nothing. So no, but I I mean, ideally, I would squeeze if the former lineup could happen. But it's, I think you're right. Realistically, you're going to lose one of those wings, and you know yeah. why I would be. I would be more. I don't know. It's so hard. Ant and Dame. I don't. I don't think it's the long term solution. I think Dame has to be phased out for Ant to grow. But hmm, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I. You know, it'll be interesting to see what other ones pick up steam as we go forward. Well I here. think we
1: can be done now. We can hit. You know how The Price is Right. You hit the ding. I'll take this. Sorry, producers. Well, yeah, I hit but- my desk. We'll we'll stop with Collins in the sixteenth pick. If that's really on the table, yeah, that's that's it. We're we're good. Oh, absolutely. And then we'll then, we'll go for trade number two.
0: That's what I was going to say. But then they're not going to be done there, and that's what I mean when I say we'll see what else what what other rumors kind of pick up steam because I I think this this feels like it's more solid and like you said it's got some legs. So hopefully hopefully we do this and you know and then make some other move that'll be beneficial as well. I still that'll think be- Jeremy
1: Grant is gettable, but. There's some question yeah. of whether Collins and Grant really fit in the same roster. You know, who knows? But I don't think you'd have to give up for Grant. I mean, I think if you gave up uh, that 16th pick and somebody for Grant, they would they would take it. And I don't think it even has to be a major player. Problem is, you're going to luxury tax yourself into oblivion, so that better work. Anyway, think about that, dear listeners, and we can move on.
0: Uh, well, an interesting side note to this—that's that's another kind of topic for us tonight—is—is is the way that this has all shaken out in the off season. You know, again, Trailblazers fans are used to Neil Olshay era, where rumors were kept tight-lipped and uh, not talked about as much. There was a lot of control there with what was what was out there. It seems to me like we're seeing less of that. It seems to me like we're seeing a little bit more conversation. And and maybe that's just maybe that's just my takeaway. But it seems to me like things have shifted in the way that it's being handled in the way that it's being talked about.
1: Maybe I mean yes, but we have to identify cause. Rumors were less plentiful in the Olshay era for two and a half reasons, really. Well, three. Number one, the Blazers never had cap space. True. I mean, 2016 <laughs> they did, right? And there were lots of rumors in two thousand sixteen, but they weren't there weren't and, and there were a fair amount of rumors in two thousand seventeen with those draft picks that they had, the extra draft picks. But the Blazers just didn't have assets, you know, to make them attractive rumor partner. Second, there was a perception, right or wrong, and it turned out ultimately to be right, that Neil wasn't gonna move any of his guys. So yeah. it was a waste of time talking about them. But there were rumors still. The difference is that Neil would feed information and or fabrication to his select source. And we all know who that was. Uh, and that's the exact channel that trailblazers rumors. Were. You, you, you could predict if it came from one certain source, that was legit from the blazers mouth. If it came from anywhere else, it was speculation and, or coming from a player somewhere. So that, that, was predictable, that aspect has changed, the latter aspect. And actually really all of them have. The Blazers have assets. They're more willing to move and they're not tied to a single media source as far as leaking rumors to them. That's why you're seeing all the rumors, not necessarily that Neil was particularly different than Joe Cronin, you know, in, in substance.
0: But even with those even with those rumors, they weren't always accurate. You know, we even if it just because they came from somebody that we knew to be getting certain information, they didn't always pan out. And I think sometimes that was on purpose. The, the, so, the
1: purpose was not to tell the truth. The purpose was right. to get the right message out there or get the right, right possibilities out there. The classic one, of course, was, no, LaMarcus Aldrich hasn't decided to leave yet because it was for a moment for, to the Blazers' advantage to have that be true, even though it patently wasn't, right? That's where that's where the curtain got pulled back from the wizard and everybody saw it right but there were other instances where the blazers wanted a story out there and it got out there uh, whether or not it was true
0: it's definitely it's it's always interesting to watch the gears turn and the way that this all works and how everything works together you know i was having a conversation today uh with my mom about the fact that you know because the blazers have cap space and and they're There are players that are looking to get bigger contracts. The Blazers are linked to all these players. All these rumors are happening. Um, And just how that all works, you know, this is a business. All the pieces are kind of working. And as a fan, (laughs) it's kind of a frustrating business because you start to get your hopes up and then you realize I'm just a pawn in their game of business. (laughs) But um, at least the ones that we're hearing, uh, you know, seem to be a little bit more reputable. So,
1: well, it's less predictable. That's the thing. I mean, with the possible space, but also with the willingness to make moves, they know they got to rebuild. But also, it's really the source thing. I mean, we could, look, we didn't make a big deal about this, but if you were watching and knew what to look for, you could pretty much tell, yep, that's got legs. Yep, that's a possibility. Nope, that no way. And you could tell by when, how, and to whom it was released. Yeah. Like you knew exactly what was going to happen, uh, possibly, and exactly what had no chance of happening. And now you can't tell that. Uh, it, coming yeah. from anywhere, it, it may have some validity.
0: Yeah, Which makes it interesting because we just, you know, there's there's a lot of rumors circulating. But you're right. Things are going to kind of, you know, work themselves out here. And and clearly some of these other rumors are kind of distant. It seems like forever ago that we were talking about Ben Simmons, you know.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and the deadly thing is still going to be if it turns out to be a big fizzle at the end. If all the rumors once again amount to not much, that's going to be an issue.
0: I I don't see that happening though. I think we, I think everybody knows we've got to make moves because really, I mean, other than the, the really dedicated blazer fans that are watching night after night, after night and following online and you know, the stories and the, the articles and things like that, go find a blazer fan that can name the, the lineup that ended the season. It's people are so there's been, that's not a, that's not a lineup we're going to turn around and play a whole season with. So you know there there has to be some sort of traction to this there and even even going out of midseason there was talk about how they didn't get everything done that they wanted to get done and that there were still moves to come and whatnot. So I it would be very surprising to me if if it fizzled. I think that they're going to do everything they can to make moves, and I I would guess that they've got a plan A B C D. E and F, you know, and if something doesn't work out, they're going to move on to something else. So, exactly, we'll see. Let's hope. Another big, somewhat related story uh, that'll be kind of an interesting topic for us is uh, if you are somebody who follows the Trailblazers, especially on Twitter, um, if you are familiar with the Athletic, um, a fairly well-known writer, Jason Quick. Has uh, announced that he is going to be taking a step back from the athletic. He cited mental health reasons. Um, if you there's a we wrote uh, we wrote it up on Blazers Edge. You can go look up the details there or on Jason Quick's Twitter feed. He also posted quite a bit about it. But it, it's an interesting topic. The concept of people that are essentially living a dream. I mean, so many people have dreams of being in this arena of, of working in sports and covering a team and you work and you work and you work to get to that point. And you essentially, you know, get this dream job. And then here we are at a point where he's citing mental health issues and saying he needs to take a step back. And one of the things that he said was that, you know, he, he, he needs to fall back in love with it. And essentially, I—that's I, a paraphrase—but that you know that 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 love for for what he does has has kind of diminished. And I think um, it, it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting topic. First of all, you know we wish Jason Quick the best. Um, at at the end of the day, regardless of whether you like a writer or you don't, you like their writing or you don't, whether you agree with what they say or you don't, you know there's a human being behind that, and always. We wish the people well. and We wish Jason Quick well and, and hope that he can find what he needs in, in all of this. But I think it's a bigger topic as well. Dave, you want to you wanna kind of jump in here?
1: Well, to be fair, he said, frankly, he may not fall back in love with it. He's not sure if it's possible.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, he did. There, there, he said he might become a mailman. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: there, there are a couple levels to this. The easier one... And the more personal one, of course, as you said, is the mental health issues. And anyone who's undergoing that, it's no joke. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's your dream job or if it's not. That doesn't affect those. Mental health issues are kind of like a garbage disposal. And they will eat, you know, old wilted lettuce or they will eat the best cheesecake that you've ever had. And the garbage disposal doesn't care. And no matter what you put into it, it's going to grind it up. And I'm not sure about Jason's state or his experience. I cannot speak for him. But those who say, well, it's a dream job and gosh, I'd love to do that and whatever. If you're experiencing depression, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) Or no, you might not at least. And by the way, anybody who's been even barely inside understands that it's not always a dream job. And there are particular stresses that come with it that you don't get. It's not happy, happy, I get to cover the team I love and write whatever I want. There are a thousand things that go into it. That brings us to the second point, which is harder to deal with uh, in a sense because it's not as clear. But I think he's correct that this business has changed and it's changed radically over the past like six years. I mean, yeah. this for a writer like Quick, who's been at it for 20 some, the last... of it has moved probably farther than the first 75. There are a couple things to that. One, online competition. I mean, do we even need professional writers anymore? I I think we do, but I think that the channels down which they're needed are more narrow you can have a think tank, which is essentially what Blazer's Edge is, or you can have uh, some other writers like uh, Caitlin Cooper, uh, who writes about the Pacers, come to mind. She's been a guest on this podcast, who can, in their own way, give every bit as much, if not more, a- as a professional analyst in the media, as opposed to a player or whatever. So the, the used to be the media voice was the only voice. Now it's a fairly narrow, but still important voice. But that's a big change. But the other thing, and sorry, I'm going on, but this is pretty comprehensive, uh, you know, topic. The teams themselves have developed their own media. The team doesn't need yeah. any given reporter anymore. They can feed their own people to get story out. They can yeah. feed national people to get a story out because national people don't care. The fact that you talk to them and you are general manager or whatever, that in itself is the gold star for them, that you talk to them. Not that what you said is true, not that it makes sense, nothing like right. that. That you're their source is what they're aiming at. So you can easily go to that. Um, players also have their own sources and, or media you know, buddies, I should say. And by the way, the skill set needed to get to be the media voice of a player is far different than to be the yeah. media voice of a team or or a GM and both are far different than a media voice was 20 years ago with the impartiality and the you know cultivating and you know that kind of balanced fair and balanced outlook which doesn't exist anymore it's not fair and balanced it's literally how you can get the individual's voice from point A to point B as quickly as possible unfiltered All of those things are market changes. And I'm not saying they're good or bad, but if you grew up in one era and your entire skill set and your professional dignity and your idea of your worth are invested in that system and all of a sudden that system is gone and you've been replaced by a lot of things which to your eyes look not only different but probably substandard, especially if you view yourself as a truth teller. Again, I can't speak for Jason Quick. But you can see where you would go, man, this sucks. And this is not what I signed up for.
0: Yeah, and I would, I would add another layer. Uh, and, and this is always the one that I go to because I think this has been my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the social media layer, you know, that, that seems like a minor thing. But I can't tell you the amount of times that I have talked to people close to me and said how much I hate social media and would love a life where I was off of it. And my friends will say, well, why don't you just get off of it? And it's like, well, I I can't for what I do. a a large part of what I do is driven by social media and I have to be actively aware of what's going on. I have to pay attention. I can't, and I can't, it's not the kind of thing where I can even just post and walk away from it and leave it alone. I I have to be paying attention to what's going on. I read a, a, a blip of an article about Shams that was talking about how, who, who, you know, is a, is a, um, headline breaker. Why can't I think of what, uh,
1: yeah, news news story breaker.
0: News, news breaker. Yeah, um, I was thinking that I wasn't saying that correctly, but he was talking about how much that impacts his life. How he has anxiety not being near his phone, and and how he doesn't he doesn't do certain things because he doesn't want to miss things. Like, and they were talking about how you know he'll go play basketball like in the middle of the night because uh, he doesn't want to do it during hours where some kind of news could break. Um, And so while that's obviously an extreme version, Anybody who's involved in sports media is following things. I mean, the amount of hours I spend on Twitter is, is pretty ridiculous. And, and that's on a different level than somebody like Jason Quick. The thing, too, is you can't just see that. I'm not just seeing sports things. I'm seeing everything that people are posting. I'm seeing things that wear me down personally, that wear on my mental health personally, um, that have nothing to do with the trailblazers because it, you're keeping an eye on the things that are going on. On top of that, social media also brings in the aspect that where a a writer used to write what they were going to write, it would be published and they would move on from it. Now they write what they write and then they and then they have to deal with the hours the the days the weeks even sometimes of people's criticism of what they wrote the comments on the articles the tags on on Twitter on social media that you know being mentioned the comments on social media the the conversations that happen um, sometimes you know especially for national writers their their stories are getting picked up by other media and they're having to listen to what they have to say about it and and that is You can be the strongest person in the world, but that kind of attention starts to take a toll because the fact of the matter is the nature of this is not one where everybody's all rainbows and sunshine. There's a lot of negativity and people love to debate and they love to argue and they love to act like you're wrong and and try to prove you wrong. And, And just to get personal, because apparently that's what I do, I would say that that happens to me. I will walk away after reading comments on one of our podcasts or, you know, some Twitter thread I get dragged into and, and where people basically, I feel like kind of rip me apart and act like I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And I said to my mom, we were actually talking about this today. And I said to her, you know, I don't care if people disagree with me. I don't care if they don't like my takes. I like, that's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to disagree. You're entitled to have a different idea of how things should be done. But one of the things that is really frustrating and and honestly great at me is when people act like, I don't know what I'm talking about or I don't understand the team or I don't understand basketball. That kind of negativity takes a toll or just that they don't like me as a human being. Again, I'm not for everybody and that's fine. And I think everybody probably feels that way. Everybody that is anywhere near this stuff is going to have people that don't like them that come at them for one reason or another that, you know, you say one bad thing about a player, a person likes and they'll hate you forever and they'll come at you forever. And it's like, it's hard to escape. There's a lot of, of that takes a toll. It also shifts your relationship with a team that you love Uh, if if you're covering a team that you are a fan of, it shifts your relationship with the game of basketball. It shifts your relationship with sports in general when you get behind the scenes. It's kind of like, I remember hearing a story that one of my friends told me when I was younger. He worked at Disneyland because I was going on and on and on about how magical Disneyland is because, you know, that's me. I like the magic. I like the rainbows and the unicorns. I'm a big fan of Disneyland and I love that, like, inner child's magic so as i'm going on and on and on about how magical disneyland is he stops me and he's like dia it's really not that magical like there's one part of haunted mansion there's one part of the haunted mansion where if you if you look closely you can actually see a bullet hole in or like where someone tried to shoot somehow and that's not like there's when you're when you're behind the scenes, when you're working there, the veil is torn back and you no longer see it as magical. You see the bullet holes in the glass of the ride and you see, you know, the gears that it takes to run the ride and you see what it looks like when it's empty and you see, you know, Mickey Mouse take off his head. Like you see all those things and it stops being, it stops <laughs> see, being Mickey magical. Mickey Mouse take off
1: Goofy's head. Uh, and it, well, I mean, yeah. And
0: so... So I think so I think that that's kind of what starts to happen when you're in a situation like this, when you're behind the scenes, when it becomes something you have to do, when it becomes something that's part of your daily life and you're seeing the ins and outs of things and the the good, the bad and the ugly. It starts to lose its magic and, and its joy, I think, to some degree. And so I would add that, that there's a lot of that. That and, and I'm not speaking for Jason Quick because I don't know any more than what's been put out there. But I think that that's, you know, that 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 it makes sense when you think of things along those lines and how it's shifted in in like you said. you know, in the last, even just the last little bit of time that he's been covering or that anybody's been covering, how much it's shifted and changed.
1: Sure. And part that strikes me about what you said is that just anybody can do it now. And I I don't mean to say just anybody can do what does. Just anybody can make a comment. Anybody can quote Woj. There's so much of what used to be exclusive to that job. That just is done, is crowdsourced and not as well, probably, which is part of the rub. But like literally the stuff that made you distinct, either other people are doing it or it's been appropriated. I mean, think of, think of this too. This popped to mind really quick. Asking questions, knowing what questions to ask, how to finesse that, how to get the information out of a player was the esoteric skill set of a beat writer and or someone covering the team, right? You had to know who your source was, how to get at them. And only you, I mean, if you'd have to put in the time, the effort, nobody yep. could do this, right? You don't even ask a question anymore. You don't even ask a question anymore that literally the player that you are connected with contacts you and says, here, you know, this is what I want to say. Or you contact the player and say, hey, you got anything to say about this? And the player goes, blah. There you go. And that's what it is. And it's like, I'm not saying exclusively, but that's kind of what it's turned into mostly. Not the same. So I get it. uh, But I hope Jason's mental health issues resolve first. And then, you know, we can obviously talk about all the rest of this.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's really, I mean, it's just, I think it's, again, always a reminder that, and I think this goes for everybody, anybody listening to this podcast, for me, for you, for everybody, that behind every social media account, behind every article that's posted, behind everything is a human being. The human beings that are responsible for these social media accounts, including like the team accounts, the human beings that are responsible for writing the articles that you're commenting on or commenting on on the Facebook or reposting or whatever they see this stuff and they see your words and I think it's just always again you can disagree you don't have to have the same ideas you can even debate a topic but just be kind like it doesn't hurt to be kind even if you disagree and I think just keeping in mind you know just like we talk all the time about the athletes are players I mean the the athletes are humans so are media people they're also humans, and the things that are being written are being written by human beings who are doing their job.
1: Don't go after Amara Baptist. We'll have
0: words. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Man, I think about that all the time. Every time you there's You think about Amara
1: Baptist I- all the time?
0: yes like every i always i look at that trailblazer account knowing she runs it and every time there's some like holiday or there's some kind of anything and i know she's gonna hear it in the mentions or anytime the team loses or makes a move and trailblazers gets mentioned like crazy i always think about amara and i always think about how i could never do that job because i would i would not she is classy and handles it with grace and i would not
1: we are so getting clicks. This is going into the Twitter blurb. Find out which of the Dave and Dia, you know, which of podcasters can't stop thinking about Amara Baptist. <laughs> that I, we're we're capitalizing it's on that.
0: Me, yeah, <laughs> I know. Me. Well,
1: they'll find out it's you.
0: Um, I yeah, I just I can't I can't imagine doing that job. I actually had an opportunity a little while back to work with a social media situation and i just said like this is not what i want to do like i can't i cannot imagine having to deal with the angry hateful awful comments and messages and things that that the teams get and so you know it, i think it's real easy to dehumanize those kinds of things because it's the trailblazers account. But you forget that behind the Trailblazers account is a person that has to read that, that has to deal with that, that and that that has to take a toll. It, it just I, it takes it. I can't even read all the comments. I go through start and start reading comments, and I get angry, and I just I and I think of Amara. <laughs> she deserves some cupcakes. If any of y'all are around Amara, give her give her some cupcakes or some something. Oh, be something, careful. Cause... She'll get
1: flooded. That's funny. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean there are worse things to be Actually, flooded with. Than she's cupcakes. a Mara
1: Baptist. What does she need with cupcakes? She's a Mara Baptist. I need the cupcakes.
0: <laughs> I I don't know, Dave. Running that the that Trailblazers account, she deserves all the cupcakes.
1: I mean, true, but you know, life. <laughs> all right.
0: Well that's about it. We we you know, it was a little bit a little bit shorter tonight, but we we covered a lot.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, we have one more podcast before the draft. So, I mean, that's, that'll be, I assume by draft night, we will hear that the Blazers are drafting for someone else. So that is likely to come clear. Uh, I don't anticipate it happening real early. Day before the draft, night of the draft, would not surprise me one bit. So buckle up. We are going to see you again next week. We will have our final predictions for what happens. Yeah and yeah. uh then we will we will see you know uh, how it all transpires for dia miller i am dave deckard and we will see you again very soon
0: a hater sees an opening down the lane moves towards the hoop but then dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away saying get that weak stuff out of here dave scoops up the loose ball now it's a fast break the other way with dia she's flying down the court dave sends her an alley she jams it boom chakalapa the crowd is on its feet for to I tell you, if she isn't the Rookie of the Year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent!
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.